Because today is the day of Thanksgiving. Come on, we don't need a turkey. We don't need a football game to have Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be on a calendar. It's every day of our lives. Amen? Amen. Come on, say amen. Yeah, that means so be it. Don't say amen to the wrong thing because that means so be it to the wrong thing. So don't say amen when it's the wrong saying. You know, like, man, I got a backache today. Amen. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Just say amen to something positive. And I need light right up here, guys. So uh, I'm changing the series. We, got, we, we did the thing called uh, worship. And so I, I had the Lord said do two more weeks. So I had to change it to worshiper. Okay, that's just how God gives me the letters for the, you know, that's just how he works. In worship, the W is for worthy, and the O is for obedience, and the R was for restoration. The S was for surrender, the H for healing, the I for impact, and the P was supposed to be for praise, but God said no, it's for preparation for the entrance. The E is for entrance or entering in. And so last week I prepared you because I was reading from Second Chronicles 29 about Hezekiah. Say Hezekiah. Look at your neighbor and say, Hezekiah. Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. <laughs> Sound like you're going to, right after that, you're going to do a karate chop. Hezekiah. <laughs> okay. King Hezekiah, 25 years old. Uh, Alyssa's 25 today. I said, how would you like to be king of a country at 25? You, yes, you would. You couldn't be king, you'd be queen. <laughs> anyway, yes. But 25 years old, and he had, he, had a, he had a bad dad, and he had a great mom. And so he, he inherits this, the kingdom that's a mess. He, the temple is a mess. And he goes in, and he cleans up the temple. Last week, we talked about cleaning out the temple. How many days did it take to carry out the trash in the temple? 16. Somebody said 14 years, two, two days short. 16 days it took him just to carry out trash. And that trash was called rubbish. That's a good British word. Rubbish. Or a New Zealand word like stabwood side. Rubbish. And it means filthiness, filthiness. They had to clean out the temple of filthiness. And for 16 days, they were carrying out trash bags, full of the glad bags. They weren't glad bags. They were, the, you know, they were sad bags. They were carrying them out and putting them in the dumpster. Can you just see the dumpster at the temple? And they were filling up the dumpster, and, and they're cleaning out. And then they had all the artifacts that, man, they had been damaged. They had been stolen. They had been given away by his dad. And so he had to bring in new artifacts, and the old ones, they had to refurbish the artifacts and restore things. So we related that to us as being the temple of God. See, I'm the temple of God. See, he resides in us. He didn't have to have a temple anymore. He, he does have a temple because it's us. He made us the temple, and he inhabits the praise of his people. Amen? He inhabits you. Say, he inhabits me. He lives in me. Look at your name and say, he lives in you. If you know Christ. Okay. Say. So if you don't know Christ, he doesn't live in you, but he wants to live in you. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be your all in all. So I've changed it to, to the worshiper and said, next week it's going to be about our response. And it's going to be so, so much fun next week. Matter of fact, next week, I should have worn this shirt next week because next week I want everybody to wear bright colors. Just bright colors. If you, if you get the, here's the memo. You get the memo right now. Wear bright colors. If you got them. If you don't have bright colors, wear whatever you got. It don't matter. But I want you to wear bright colors. Like Michelle got the yellow on. You're working the yellow today. And I like the, I like the bright colors. Amen? I know people that won't wear black to funerals because they they're not sad. They're joyful because somebody's graduated on to heaven. So wear bright colors next week. It's going to be fun. But I want, I want to talk to you about today about this entering in. 
this entering in. So we're going to go back to 2 Chronicles. We're going to finish that chapter 29. And I'm going to set up something here for you. Just a minute. We've got a video. But in verse 20, it says this. Then King Hezekiah, this is after all the temple has been, has been cleansed, okay? And everything's gotten ready. Then Hezekiah rose early and gathered the rulers of the city, and he went up. Say, went up to. He went up to, he entered in to the house of the Lord. So the first thing I want you to write down, if you keep notes, and it's a good thing to keep notes, is be prepared to enter in. He was prepared to enter in. Say, I'm prepared to enter in. See, after all the cleansing, all the debris gone, they had a lot of other things to do. They had to get the band ready. They had to get the band. The boys in the band had to return. You know, had a reunion, uh, a meeting of the band. How many of you know about the reunion tours? They bring these guys that were used to be young, and they would do all the, they'd do all these concerts when they were young, and all the girls were throwing themselves at their feet. And then they, they're doing now they're 70 and they're 80, and they're doing that old man tour, you know. And they're coming on the stage with their walkers, you know. And, like, you know, and then they start to sing their songs, and, and, they're, and they're not that, that, they don't have that same appeal that they had when they were young. Uh, how many of you remember the Beatles? And when they, were, when they came to America, and they came to America, and you couldn't wait. No, the, 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 the airport was full of screaming teenagers, screaming, like at the top of the passing out, just to wait to see them get off the plane because there was this entrance that was coming there. They were waiting for the entrance of the Beatles. And I want to ask you, how many, how many of you have, have, have ever waited for something that was very important to you? Can we get the house lights up just for a second? I'm, I'm going to see this. I want to see your response this morning. How, how many of you, you, you how many are, oh, put your hands down. How many of you waited the night before to get something the next day? Oh, like black, how many ever camped out at Best Buy on Black Friday on the Thursday night before? Anybody ever do that before? Because I want to see who that crazy person is. Oh, man. Yeah, it, I want to save $50 on the flat screen. I'm going to spend the night on the concrete. Oh, baby, I'm going to get in there. You know, and you, then you, isn't that crazy? And, and how many of you have ever, how many of you ever gotten in line to, at midnight to get tickets to the next Star Wars? Anybody? Come on, be honest. How you geeks in here? Huh? See, there, you, you got there the night before to get a ticket to see a stupid movie. Hedgehogs. I got hedgehogs, so if, if you don't agree with me, I'm just going to say the word hedgehog, and you just need to say, okay, we get you, Pastor. But how many, you know, this just, just great anticipation for something happening that's going to be good, and you're willing to sacrifice your time, your comfort, whatever it was, to get that prize that you thought was so special, of concert tickets that reveal how many reveals weren't around when we were when we were younger? You just you know what do you have? I don't know. We want to wait till the baby's born, then we'll know what we're having. Now everybody wants to know what they're having months before, so they can paint their room. Just paint it yellow, and you're good. But everybody wants to know, so they have the reveals. They have the eggs full of the color. They have the cake full of the color. The balloons that blow up. They have all this stuff. Bless you, bless you. And the, the, the reveal. Because it's an exciting time, isn't it? I wonder what she's having, pink or blue. So I want to show you something. I, I, was, I was researching great entrances, great what people wait to see, and, and about the preparation that goes in to, before that happens, okay? So we got a video for you. And, and when I started researching what, uh, these, these spectacular events, you know what came up more than anything? Lebanese weddings. 
Say Lebanese. Lebanese weddings. Lebanese weddings. Millions of dollars are spent on Lebanese weddings. And I'm talking about individual weddings. I saw one where the wedding dress was $12 million. <gasps> Can you imagine? And so this is a Lebanese wedding. And I want you to see and I want you to think about what you thought about coming to church today. I want you to think about how excited you were to get in the house of God today. Maybe last night, how excited you were like, man, I can't wait. We're going to get to get in corporately worship God. And he'll show up because we love him. And there's preparation that went in before we got here today. There's preparation in this building before we walked in this building in, in, in 2008. There was preparation. And there's a preparation taking place in heaven for the banquet. Amen? For the wedding feast. And so this just will give you a glimpse, I think, of what God's preparing for us that love him. I heard somebody say, wow. Wow is right. Would you like to have that catering gig? <laughs> Did you notice the tables as they scanned across the room? Everything in place. Everything in order. And you see the smile on that dude's face? He's thinking, man, how much did this cost? <laughs> see if I can keep smiling. <laughs> and you know the wedding feast in heaven, that's not going to hold a candle to what the wedding feast in heaven is going to be like. So should we get excited about who we serve? Should we be excited that the groom is Jesus Christ and he's coming for the bride? And we're the bride? Shouldn't we want to be cleaned up? Shouldn't we want to be at our best for the king? Wow. So when I'm studying these scriptures, it's just, I was thinking about the church today. The church today is, is all casual. You know, we don't, we don't reverence God like we, we should. And we don't, we don't worship God like we should. And yet, it's, you know, we think, well, God's cool. We call him cool, and he's the dude upstairs and all that. No, he's God. He's Jehovah. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's time we start getting back to that place. Do I really give him my best? Have I really, have I really brought my thank offering this morning? I'm not talking about your, your gift, your monetary offering. Have you brought him today your thank offering into the house of the Lord? Second Chronicles 29 verse 21 says, and they brought, they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. Then he commanded, the king commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. And they also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Then they brought on the male goats for the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them, and the priests killed them. Them, and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement for all of Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all of Israel, not just for Judah, but for all of Israel. They were bringing their sacrifices to the Lord. God still asked us to bring our sacrifice to him. Did y'all know that? Now, of course, we know we don't. Aren't you glad that you don't live under the law? 
Aren't you glad that you don't have to go somewhere where it's a slaughterhouse and they're cutting open animals and the blood's being spread everywhere so you can be forgiven of your sins? Aren't you glad that we're a part of the law that says we're under the law of grace because Jesus Christ became the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and he was slaughtered. He was slaughtered on the altar of sacrifice so that we could offer the sacrifice of praise. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not under that religious, that religious law, that legalism. If you don't do this right, if you don't cut the bull right, if you don't bring the right sacrifice. No, Jesus says, I'm the right sacrifice. The Father said he is the perfect one. And he took away the sins of the world. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Say living sacrifice. Holy. That means set apart, acceptable to God, which is what? Is it just your reasonable service? He's asked us to be living sacrifices, and yet we don't want to do anything that would cause us any discomfort. So we kind of stay in the middle of the road. Sometimes as Christians, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't look too too much like Jesus. So we try to look cool and also love Jesus at the same time. And sometimes those things don't work out because he's asked us to be peculiar and radical people. Amen. What are, the, what, what are the days that we are to sacrifice to the Lord? Is it the holy day? Is it the Sabbath? We're supposed to be good, good before the Lord and offer our thank offering to God. Is it on Saturday? Is that it? Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, that was done away with because Jesus rose on, on, the, on, on Sunday, on the, first day of the morning, on the first day of the week. So we're supposed to bring our praise, our sacrifice of praise on, on Sunday. That's what we're doing here today. We brought our sacrifice of praise today, which we should, of course. But Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, by him, let us continually say continually, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. To me, continually means all the time In everything. Give thanks at all times At all times we're to praise the Lord. Oh, but pastor, my wig, you don't even know whether I had students in school and they were mean and they were ugly and I had to deal with this or you haven't seen my checkbook, you haven't seen my doctor's report, da 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 blah, 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 blah. I can't praise him in all that, but can you? Aren't we supposed to? Okay, so we praise him in all things. We praise him continually. But what does the sacrifice of praise look like? Is it, pastor, I, you know, I love to sing, but I'm not a very good singer, so I praise the Lord in the shower you know, and so the pitch is a little bit better in the shower and the water drowns out some of my bad notes. So I'll sing in the shower. And, 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 but see, if we, if we just equate worship to singing, we've missed it entirely. And I hope through this series you've understood that. Worship is giving worth to something or to someone. And we give worth to God. So he says to offer your praise and your thanksgiving. See, the word praise simply means thank offering. In the New Testament, when you read the word praise and go to the Greek, it just means thank offering. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, a thank offering to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Okay, that's a thank offering. Hebrews, and you continue on in verse 16, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says, but do not forget, he's talking in the same context, to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, say sacrifices, God is well pleased. So 
part of our worship, part of our praise is involving us being thankful, but also doing the right thing and being good and doing good and sharing with others. So whenever you share, whenever you, the Bible says, when you give a cup of cold water in his name, when you feed somebody that is hungry, when you clothe somebody, that is, he said, as you do these things to those, you're doing it unto me, Jesus said. So that's part of our sacrifice of praise. It's our everyday lifestyle. Say every day. Say continually. So we don't, we, don't, there's, we don't get a break. When you go on vacation, you don't get a break from praising God. He's asking us to be a people of praise. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Before you offer your petitions to God, it says, don't be worried or anxious about anything, but everything with prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. Present your request to God, your petitions to God. He says, always do what we do. We do it with Thanksgiving because God, he, he, he desires the fruit of our lips to be thank you, Lord. Not for what he's done. That's, that's great. Praise him for what he's done, but just praise him for who he is. Sometimes we only praise him when he's done something and we like what he's done. I remember we do these text messages and, and somebody will say, well, so-and-so got healed today or somebody's coming out of the hospital. Praise the Lord. But we don't say praise the Lord when all they're still sick or they're still in the hospital. No, we still praise the Lord. You see, we have a tendency to only praise the Lord when something good happens that we think is good. And so we say, oh, praise God, oh, so-and-so, he's doing so much better. Well, that's good that we praise God. But then when he's not doing God better, we still praise God. There is another in the fire, right? There is another in the water. Hold them back to see. There's another there with us through all the storms of life that we go through. So we have to learn to praise him in the midst of all those. Let's move on. Verse 25 says, and he stationed, this is Hezekiah, 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 and he stationed the Levites. In the house of the Lord with symbols. I like this. People say, oh, I don't like instruments. Oh, well, you wouldn't like the Old Testament. Praise the Lord with symbols. Ooh, like this. With stringed instruments. Stringed instruments. Did you know the piano is a stringed instrument? Okay. Well, this one isn't. It's digital, but most of them are. Okay? It's a stringed instrument. And with harps, according to the commandment of David of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet, for this was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. Can you imagine the sound? The sound of the Lord, Betty? The song of the Lord? And they got their instruments ready. And it, and it. You see Jonathan back there. He's got his little baton. Where's my stick? And, you know, it's tapping it like all the orchestra. They all sit up straight. Do y'all teach them to sit up straight, Jonathan? Yeah. They, they learned that way. That's a basic, isn't it? But have you ever watched an orchestra get ready? They got all these sounds going on. And it just sounds like a big mess. All he has to do is tap. And he looks at them. They go, whew, get ready. They're ready to play. So they're, they're getting ready. King Hezekiah's got all these people ready. He stood with the instruments of David and the priests of the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded them to offer burnt offerings on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began. The song of the Lord. Say the song of the Lord. With the trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. The third thing I want you to see this morning is they were positioned to serve. Say positioned to serve. Positioned to serve. See, we, 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 God has a position 
for all of us. You know, in two weeks, Dr. Simpebwa, and if you've never heard of him, and I probably should have saved this shirt for him because he likes wild stuff. He likes wild shirts. This is like mild and mild-mannered shirt, but compared to Dennis Simpebwa, you saw his jacket a while ago, right? Crazy, man. He loves, he loves, he loves color. But I, I, he's coming in two weeks, and, and we, we want people to come and be taught about leadership. But you know what he's going to teach more about leadership than anything? He's going to teach you how to serve. Because, see, great leaders, you have to start out as a great servant before you can ever be a great leader. And so he's, Hezekiah's got all these people in their, their, their position to serve the Lord. See, unless you're willing to position yourself as a servant, listen, don't even think about, oh, well, you know, so many people, they want, they want, I'll serve if I can have the microphone. I'll serve if I can be on the stage and I can be seen. I'll serve if everybody can know what I'm doing. And see, that's not what a, that's not a servant's heart at all. A servant's heart is a hupuerte. That that's a serve. That's a rower underneath the boat, under the boat, where nobody can see you going, whoa, 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 and you're rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing and nobody knows it, but you're the one getting where you need to go. You're you're the one that's getting the captain. You're the one that's position in the place that you're supposed to be so you can see the kingdom of God advance. See, some of you, 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 you don't know it yet, but you're just, God's positioning you to be a rower. He's positioning you in your place to start serving the Lord right where you're at and not waiting for some title, not waiting for some position, not waiting for some adoration. You're just going to start serving him and serving him and serving him because you're going to do it as unto the Lord. Not for you, not for anybody else, but as unto the Lord. So you present, he wants to, you to be positioned to serve this morning. I shared this story a few weeks ago, and I want to share it again, but a little bit more detail. In Matthew 20, verse 20, it says this, And the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons and kneeling down and asking something from him. She, was, she, she brought her sons with her, I think James and John, and they're following Mama. And Mama's coming up to Jesus, and Mama's saying, Jesus, these are my boys, and they're the best boys in the neighborhood, you know? And so she says, he says to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm about, that I am baptized with? But I like it here. It says, it didn't say she. Look what it says. They said to him. So you know they're right there standing beside his mom. They're on her, like her coattails. And mom's saying, Can, can't you put my boy in? He's the best player on the field. And, and Jesus said, no, he's not very good. <laughs> coach, coach says, no, he's not good enough to play, you know. But here's mama. Here's mama saying, I want my boys to sit on your right hand, your left hand. Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking, ma'am. Can they go through what I'm going to go through? Can they, can they? And they said, yes, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. He said, you know what? You're actually going to do this. You don't need your mama. You're going to do this. He said, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my fathers. He said, you know what? I'm not going to decide that. That's, my, my father's going to decide that. So, and when the ten heard it, here's the other ten. They're like, can't you, can't, they brought their mother. <laughs> I bet Peter gave him a really hard time, you know. Oh, man, really, seriously, guys. You had your mother speak for you. Aren't you grown up yet? 
Okay, and so, and so when the ten heard this, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise their authority over them? Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You know, it's not wrong to desire something. It's not wrong to desire to be great. It's not wrong to, matter of fact, the Bible says to desire to, if you desire to be an elder. It's not wrong to desire to be a, a deacon or whatever. If God's put something in your heart and a desire in your heart, is it? He says it right here. But he says, if you really desire that, then you're going to have to serve first. That's got to be your heart. It's got to be the heart of a servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And nobody likes that. Oh, be your slave? Are you kidding me? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. And to what? And to give his life a ransom for? Oh, it's not up there? I'm so sorry. Okay. Let's read that. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that first part that, you know, okay, to serve and... And I'll be a servant. But then Jesus says, he goes a little bit further. And to give his life. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? If we're going to be a servant, that means we have to lay down our rights. We have to lay down our life. Greater love has no man this than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. And a lot of people go, well, that means he's willing to die. Well, that's one, that's one way you can look at it. One way you can, oh, I'm just going to die for so-and-so. I'll take a bullet for so-and-so. But the other way you can look at it is, I will lay down my life so that they can excel. Row, row, row the boat. Right? Some of you are the rowers for somebody else. And you don't care if they excel because you're, their pra- you're that prayer warrior. You're that encourager. Man, we've, we've got some encouragers in this church. Y'all don't even know as pastor, I'm Mary, Mary Lou and I get, first lady and I get blessed. We get these texts after church on Sunday, and they're not ugly texts. You know, they're not, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you wore a hedgehog. Their pastor today was amazing. God showed up in a mighty way. And we get these texts, and my, I don't even know how to respond anymore except thank you for being an encourager. We need that. Thank you, Lord, for putting people that are willing to row the boat, people that are willing just to get on their knees and pray and intercede for the pastors of this church, for the leadership of this church. You don't think that's important? That's huge. That's huge. Oh, I'm just, I'm just an intercessor. What? No, you're an intercessor? Wow. You've been called to intercede for the saints? Wow, that's awesome. You've been called to row the boat? That's awesome. He's positioning many of you to serve. And, and this, this body, I will tell you this, we are so blessed to have so many servants in this church. You know, sometimes I do focus on the ones we don't have. Anybody ever do that besides me? Focus on what you don't have instead of what you do have? Am I the it? I'm it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, running. I'm, just, I'm under the bus now. That's okay. Thump, <laughs> thump. Gee, come on, people. Stand up. Y'all just stand up a second. Slap your neighbor on the face. Wake him up. All right. You can be seated now. You notice, I didn't hear any slaps. 
Y'all aren't very obedient. But I don't know them, Pastor. <laughs> it's okay, slap them. Oh, if you're a visitor, we don't slap people. Uh, that was just plenty, uh, just fun. Just to wake you up a little bit, okay? But we have people in the church that are great servants. And because of that, you'll be a great leader if you're not already. Because you know how to serve. And you're not doing it for accolades. Verse 28. So all of the assembly. All right, now you see this? You, you can sl- Did you know you can just go by a verse and read it and just forget, you just miss something? Now, all the preparations done by the king, and he had all of his leaders. He had the Levites and the priests, right? Then they brought in all the, their group. They brought in the band, okay? They brought in all these, the caterers. I don't know. They brought in all the people, the decorators. And then it says, so all the assembly worshiped. Hmm. All the assembly worshiped. The singers sang. The trumpets Trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished the offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. Can you imagine that setting? Didn't it? Does that get you, or is it, is it just me? I like all of this is taken by. I can see it. Some people can't visualize things, but that's why I showed you the video. Some people can't visualize the majesty and the glory of that moment. When the king had taken something so ugly, he cleaned it up and made it like brand new. See, that's what Jesus does for us. He takes us when we're so ugly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Lucinda. And he cleans us up. You know, we, we sometimes, we, I'll, I'll come to Jesus when I get cleaned up. That's like catching a fish in the, in the water that's already clean. No, you gotta, when you catch the fish, then you've got to clean the fish. You know? And so when you come to Jesus, you can't come to him all cleaned up. You come to him in the midst of your sin and say, here I am. Would you just clean me up, Lord? And he says, let me wash you with the water of the word. Let me wash you with the blood of Jesus, and I'll make you clean. And that temple gets cleaned up. Doesn't Doesn't stay clean all the time, but God's continually pouring out the washing of the water, the blood of Jesus. So all the assembly worshiped. All the assembly worshiped. They all continued until the burnt offerings finished. When they had finished offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshiped. And moreover, came Hezekiah and the leaders. Now, this is, I want you to pay attention to these words. He commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads in worship. Number four, it's kind of a weird subtitle. A commandment equals obedience, which equals gladness, which equals worship. Let me say that a different way. A commandment leads to obedience. Obedience leads to gladness, and gladness leads to worship. You ever been told you had to do something you didn't want to do? Anybody? But you did it, and because you did it, you're glad that you did it? You know what I'm talking about? You ever been drugged to church? I'm not talking about like an injective or anything. I'm just talking about a drug to church. Like Mr. T, you know how they put him on a plane? Mr. T, put him on a plane, put him out. No, but, oh, right there. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was, no, that's, yeah. But you ever been, ever been kind of forced to go somewhere against your will? Anybody? 
Raise your hands. It's okay. Unless you didn't bathe last night, you know. It's right there. I got to stay away from that area. And yet, when you obeyed, all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm kind of glad I came. It's like dragging a guy to a musical. I used to hate musicals. Honey, let's go, let's go to Oliver Twist. What? They're going to sing through the whole movie? Yeah. Any guys like that? How many guys don't like musicals? <laughs> See? How many ladies don't like musicals? Oh, a few of you too. They just sing through the... Uh, but you, you relent and you go and you go, man, that wasn't so bad after all. How many of you have been drugged to church? You didn't want to go. You didn't feel good. You just wanted to sleep in. And somebody drug you to church, and you came, and out of obedience, you started worshiping God. And when you left church, you go, man, I'm sure glad I made it to church today. Yeah. All you people watching on live stream, see? That's you. <laughs> I just see the guy in the pajamas then, baby. We're out of church next week. <laughs> What the people here were commanded to do out of obedience to the king, we are privileged to do out of our love for Jesus. Because praise is our thank offering. Don't wait for God to command you to follow. Don't wait for God, for you, for God to command you to love your neighbor. Even though he says in his word, this commandment I give to you to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't wait for him to command you to step into your purpose. Don't wait for him to command you to walk in obedience. Just start doing it because he, yet you love him. That's the best way to move into the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. Not, not for him to force you up against the wall. Okay, God, I'll do it. But to do it because God did something amazing for you when he forgave you of all your sins. Verse 31. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have consecrated, say consecrated. consecrated. Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near. Enter in, come near. And bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. So the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a willing heart, they brought burnt offerings. And the number of the burnt offerings which the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 lambs, and all these were for a burnt offering for the Lord. And the consecrated things were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole long thing about this, but I want to tell you this. They gave way more than the law required. They gave way more. So some people, some people say, well, you know, I'm just going to give my tenth, and I ain't giving one penny more. If I got to pay $3,222.15, I'm going to figure out tenth exactly, and then I'm going to give exactly what the, the tenth is. Well, that's cool. Go ahead and give the tenth. But then you're giving in a legalistic way. You're not giving because you love the Lord. You're giving because, oh, well, I know the Bible says that I better tithe. And there's a lot of controversy going around right now about people saying, well, they've changed their mind on, on the, the idea that we're supposed to tie this in Old Testament law, baloney, because it was, before the, it was before the law was even given that Melchizedek tithed to Abraham, or Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, way before the law. So don't give me that stuff, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the thing of the law. And don't say it's not the New Testament because it's in the New Testament because Jesus said you do this and you tie this and you tie that, which you should do. But he said the way you do it is what's important. 
Give with all of your heart. I like, I like Sister Sandra. She says, well, do you don't like the Old Testament version of tithing a tenth percent? Then do the New Testament version where it says I, they gave everything. <laughs> so just do that. Just do that. Just do that. So this word consecrated, interesting word. It means to be filled, to accomplish or complete, or to be satisfied. And for us, for us today, that means that we are complete in Jesus Christ. We are consecrated because he consecrated us. He is the one that made us complete. Not you didn't make yourself complete because you did some certain laws or followed some rituals or whatever. You didn't make, you can't make yourself complete. I can't make myself complete. Only God can do that through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we've been singing about the blood today. Look at Ephesians 2.11. This is the living trans, new, new Living Translation. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, if you're not Jew, you're a Gentile, okay? That's all that means. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. See, circumcision is an outward thing. It's an outward sign. It doesn't show what's in your heart. Baptism is, is supposed to be uh, an outward sign of what God's already done in your heart, okay? And so Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, they said, they said, we've been cut to the heart. Way more important than being cut in the skin. Amen? So be it. All right? Okay, let's continue. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. How many of you used to live apart from Christ? Some of you still live apart from Christ. You need to get, you don't need to do that anymore. Okay. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them through Abraham, right? You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, say, but now. You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through what? Through the blood of Christ. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. He applied the blood. When the blood was applied, he says, I'm consecrating you. I'm setting you apart. See, Jesus was consecrated. He was set apart. And now he says, because you belong to him and I belong to him, that we are consecrated. We are set apart. Look at Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, say consecrated, Consecrated. through the veil that is his flesh when he died on the cross and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, say draw near, with a true, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the blood in the word. We've been consecrated. He consecrated us. Say, I'm consecrated by Jesus. He made you whole. That's the sozo of God. He made you whole, body, mind, and spirit when he came in. Now let's move to the last part of this. Verse 34. But the priests were too few. Sometimes I feel like, hey, we just don't have enough workers. You've heard me say that. But the priests were too few, so they could not, make, they could not skin all the burnt offerings. <laughs> I would not have been a good priest back then. I don't want to skin no animal. I'm just saying. You know, I've never skinned a deer. Just saying, wouldn't been a, I wouldn't have been a good priest. Therefore, the brethren, the Levites, helped them until the work was ended and until other priests had sanctified themselves, for the Levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests. They're a little bit more uh, diligent, the Bible says. They were really more into what the commandments that God gave them than even the priests. Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance. Ooh, I like that. With the fat of the peace offerings and with the drink offerings for every burnt offering, so the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Say set in order. Set in order. 
Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. Well, number six, the last thing I want you to see this morning is the house of God was set in order. Set in order. God is a God of order. Y'all believe that? Yes. God is not a God of chaos. As a matter of fact, chaos goes with the devil. Confusion is from the devil. God is a God of order. All throughout Scripture, he set things in order. I mean, from the beginning, he set things in order. Name the animals. He said, build the ark a certain way. Build the tabernacle a certain way. Clothe the priest in a certain way. Get the singers certain instruments. He said, do your craft. Do it with, with excellence. He, he was always a God of order. And we think, well, no, we're in New Testament. We're in non-denomination. We're charismatic. So we don't have to be in order. Well, that, I don't see that in Scripture. He says, do all the things in decency and order. We're supposed to be in order. We're not supposed to be flying off the handle like a loose, like a loose cannon. Right? Because confusion comes from the enemy. God wants his house in order. He wants the body of Christ to operate without the chaos, without the confusion. And that's how the temple was that Hezekiah moved into. That's a temple. He inherited a, a temple that was confused and torn up and destroyed, and he brought it into order. Bless you. But notice in this passage that after King Hezekiah set things in order, there was an abundance of sacrifices. Say abundance. <clears throat> See, when your life's in order, the tithing, it'll be in order. It won't be an issue. When your life's in order, uh, your sin life, it will come under control because you'll be understand that you're set free from sin because of the grace of God. You won't sin because of the grace of God. You'll know you'll be set free from sin because of the grace of God. Your life will be set in order. Things will be changed in your house. How many of you know that when you, you gave your life to Christ that your house changed? Order came into your house that had never been there before. And the kids, they didn't even know how to, they didn't know how to even approach mom and dad. Mom and dad, we have never done this way before. And they said, no, it's kids. We've got our life in order. We're getting our house in order. I talked about this last week, and I'm not going to be redundant about that, but God's called us to clean our houses, our physical homes, and our spiritual homes. Bring them in order. Bring them in order. And I love this because they brought everything in order and there was abundance of sacrifices. It's kind of like when, when, when Jesus told them to cast their nets, remember, on the other side and into the deep. They said, well, we've been fishing all night. We're not going to, we can't. No, Jesus. And he said, no, just cast your nets in the other side. And they caught what? How many fish? Too many. <laughs> and so what did they have to do? They had to call their friend. Hey, James, bring your boat. We got too many fish. We can't handle them all. And when things are set in order, when God's moving, there will be an abundance. Say, there's going to be an abundance in my life. <laughs> and it's whatever the abundance that God needs, that you need, that God's going to give you. It's not going to be for your glory. It's going to be for His glory. But it'll be for your good. It'll be for your good, but His glory. Amen? So they had an abundance, and they had to get help. They had to call some other people to come alongside them, and they did come alongside them. That's what the body of Christ does. And we need help in a certain area. We say, hey, hey guys, we, we have a family that needs help. And we have a family in this church, we, a family that, was, that was, was brought to our attention. And the offerings, I just say, hey, we need some offerings. We need some givers. Wednesday night, we just took up this incredible, great offering for people who said, we want to help somebody. We want to help a family. And it was a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing. But look at the last verse. I want to repeat the last verse, and then we'll close. 
Go ahead and come on up, band. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people. All the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people. God had prepared. See, he's, he's preparing you right now. He's preparing you right now to bring the thank offering to him, not a physical money offering. He's asking for your praise. He's asking you to actually worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what this whole series has been about. Because before we can get to that next level, you, you keep hearing me say this, because I, I believe that we're going to another level, and I don't even know what that level looks like. I just know it's going to be greater and bigger and better than what we've been experiencing, because people are going to get this, they're going to get this, that I'm a worshiper. And I'm not going to care, I don't care what people think about me or say about I'm a worshiper. Amen. I'm a worshiper, and I'm entering in today. Would y'all stand?